0: All right, welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign Tour, fresh off of uh, a headlining gig. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude?
1: Oh, I see what you're doing here. You would rather me talk about the concert I played last Friday <laughs> than the fact that you have tender, clean meat that I would eat in case the world came to cannibalism. I'm not going to let you change the subject, Danny. Wait, it's very clever. <laughs> I see what you're doing. The show is great, but I'm still going to eat your meat. <laughs> you know, I thought uh,
0: I thought that Zopa was very
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no show was awesome. I was, you know, as I expected, I had a little like, you know, um, a couple moments of wait, why am I in a public setting? Why aren't some of these people wearing masks? Like, what the fuck is going on? Moments. Uh, just because, you know, I'm Pavlov's drummer right now. It's been a funky fucking year and a half. And then I was really nervous. I think I've expressed on the show. I kind of have like imposter syndrome. I just didn't see this version of myself being able to execute the things I was doing. So what I did is what I normally do. I usually combat nerves with uh, over preparation. I got really, you know, I rehearsed a lot. And I tried to get as tight as possible, just so at least that physical element was uh, not a concern. And then, you know, as usual, a lot of the things I love about it came to the surface right off. You know, I love meeting groups of new people. I love chumming it up in conversations. Uh, I love the excitement of playing a show. And then, fuck, I love being up there and doing it. You know, like once you're up there and once you're moving and once I'm playing drums, there's still... You know, it's the safest place in the world for me. And I forgot how much I dug it. So fun to be up there. Nice sold out gig to come back. And uh, yeah, get ready. I'm getting mixes back for the new Mercy Union record. It's sounding very, very thick. Oh, I can't wait. M- maybe we'll just what? like just like no, your quadriceps. No, maybe we'll have it at the end
0: of a, a future episode. But in being so I, I've been to a bunch of your shows. That was probably the strangest in crowd atmosphere there's ever been because it was just like a bunch of people that were in the sopranos there and like soprano hardos there and i'm like what the hell is happening here
1: yeah i saw Artie there yeah Artie bucco i saw Artie bucco in the crowd um i can say you know i'm not much of a you know i met michael imperioli very nice guy mm-hmm. you know we didn't have much of a deep conversation. I recommended he get the white pizza. But the one thing that I can say is that I've been in these instances before where people from another world, you know, particularly acting or something like that, come into the music world and kind of expect a certain level of something. And he showed up with his band, he showed up with his guitar, he sat in the backstage, he ate our food. And uh, was just another guy in a band that night, which, you, you know, you never know how, how famous people are going to act. And he acted like uh, he was in a band that played a club show. So I appreciate that, you know. Uh, certainly didn't have any of that next level shit going on.
0: Without any further ado, let's get into everyone's favorite segment. It's this day in music history. <laughs> do, 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 do. So on this day in
1: 1990... The band Mookie Blaylock makes their stage debut at the off-ramp in Seattle. In the audience are members of Soundgarden and Seattle Mariners pitcher Randy Johnson. (laughs) Do you know which band turned into from Mookie Blaylock? Uh,
0: Let's go Pearl Jam for 500. Good, come
1: (laughs) on. Pearl Jam, the biggest jocks of the grunge scene. (laughs) would wear basketball shorts and Sonics gear. Remember Xavier McDaniel making his cameo in the singles movie. telling <laughs> him, Steve, don't come. But the thing I don't want to get into a whole diatribe about Pearl Jam, classic band, you know, 30 year career like you don't have to get into all that. You've heard him. Give him a Google. This is what I was wondering was obviously I like my, you know, my New Jersey Nets at the time. Drafted one Mookie Blaylock. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly who he was coming into the league. I think, what was the name of that? The, the uh, Skybox. I believe oh. I had a Mookie Blaylock Skybox mm-hmm. card, rookie card. I was a fan. You know, started with the Nets. He was a full-time player for a few seasons in the early 90s. He had his best years with the Hawks. All-star in 93, 94. He led the league in steals in 96 and 97 bunch of playoff uh, 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 a couple playoff runs with those young Christian Leitner, Stacy Ogman teams. Now here's what I ask you. This is the question I pose. I brought up all these stats because from the inception of the Mookie Blaylock gig, he had like a 10 year fairly well known career. What happens? I, it begs the chicken or the egg question. If they didn't change the name, Would they have survived?
0: Oh, 100%. Does
1: the the band, can you actually have a functioning rock and roll career being named after a current relevant basketball player? It's like a band right now being called George Hill. Or a band (laughs) right now being, you know what I mean? Like like a good six-man point guard in the league. Is what you know this would be named. Like if you heard a band called TJ McConnell right now, <laughs> would you take them seriously? Um, so that's my
0: question. Actually, I I Benny, I have experience with this. So when I was in, in, in college, I, I was at a local show out there in Milwaukee, and I'm not sure if they were a Midwest band, but they you know, they kind of made their rounds. Uh Deflesh Shrimp.
1: Ah Banding Shrimp. Yeah. Parks and Rec star, Deflesh Shrimp. But you're never, I mean, you. So, I don't know where they answer are now. my but... question Does Pearl Jam. It's not like Pearl Jam's a great name no. to begin with, but like, uh, does Pearl Jam become Pearl Jam? If you're on MTV and you hear Even Flow by the band Mookie Blaylock, are we taking it as seriously? I don't know. I don't think so because it gives
0: me very much uh, vanilla ice vibes, ice, ice, baby. Yeah. Like, that's right. So.
1: That's right. So this. We talk about it a lot on this podcast, the uh, the little variables and all the different sauces that make bands and athletes uh, be able to be successful. You know, one of those little decisions you won't think is that important ends up making or breaking it. Do you think if we now change the name of the podcast, the Mookie
0: Blaylock, that we would be uh, 10 times more successful, almost kind of inheriting the what could have been with Pearl Jam?
1: At this point, I don't want to see two <laughs> white guys with a podcast named Mookie. Anything because to do the right thing, it's not not our space. Oh uh, well, you led me perfectly into my
0: this day in music history. Speaking of space, oh no, oh, not I was say, n- speaking of white guys. <laughs> well, that too. On this day in 1969, Paul McCartney publicly def- denied rumors that he was dead. Uh, the most recent of many "quote unquote" clues of his death hoax. Uh, was the fact that he was the only barefoot beetle on the newly released album <laughs> Abbey Road from nineteen sixty nine. Now here's where this this gets crazy. This entire rumor was started in the Michigan Daily, the University of Michigan student paper, uh, by a guy named Fred Labor.
1: Wow. Do you know who Fred so Labor is? I don't, but what was the article? Like what did he just did he have any merit to it or was Fred Labor just like trolling and fucking with people like war of the world style and it just stuck
0: no oh, he was fucking with people because apparently you could do that in 1969 uh in in a student p- paper trying to channel his international lampoons but fred went on to be the bassist in too
1: slim ah no shit how about
0: that you know what?
1: see Danny, here's here's the question i take from that do okay? i know who
0: too slim is absolutely not no, no i don't either
1: <laughs> but here, like we think we exist right now in the world of uh like trolls and people just attacking others and constant defamation and things like that but this fella was trolling the beatles like all the way back in what the 60s 70s yeah. started a rumor that like people swear by a lot of people think paul mccartney's dead like really do yeah. And if there's one thing, you know, as old people, it's easy to be righteous or excuse me, self-righteous about the Internet and social media. Some guy from a Michigan newspaper does this now. It's automatically debunked by like a hundred different like social media investigators and people who like look into shit like that. So, uh, you know, even though it is easier to start, the rumors and stuff based on social media. It's also harder to hide them, right? Yeah. So I don't think Fred gets away with it in this current age. That's something to uh to chew to chew on, yeah. you know? Well, Fred 100%
0: killed his journalism career if he wanted one. And he, this oh, nineteen sixty there is that 1969 probably the last time a college paper was taken seriously.
1: No, stop it. I worked for a beautiful college paper for years. It was a periodical of note. And uh, everybody should support their local college.
0: They should. Hey, I'm a a product of the Marquette Tribune as well. I get it. But come on. Yeah. Come on, Denny,
1: you already worked for Sirius. Don't go full big media on me. You know, people are going
0: to start connecting the dots. Bounty hunting at the top of the pod. Big media, they're going to think. This is an Illuminati yeah. podcast. Yeah, by the end, we're on baby's <laughs> blood for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Well, perfect segue there yet again. Thank you for setting me up. All right, Benny. First headline today, a Madonna biopic is on the way as the material girl herself confirms via Instagram with a uh, fashionable post and teaser. Uh, the pop icon shared nine photos, uh, one of which included her sprawled out going over the script, or what we suspect is gonna be the script from the movie. Uh, with a closer look at the image, the script reveals possible topics like her time as the drummer of in The Breakfast Club in 1979 and her 1990 Blonde Ambition World Tour, Benny. I don't need to ask you if you're into this or not, but on a scale of one to Vogue. Vogue
1: me. (laughs) Like I'm at like 11. I want to see this. The cool thing about Madonna is she's like, uh, you know, obviously she's one of the biggest names. Back in the day, I don't think people can understand the kind of stir uh, and the kind of shit she ruffled up in the 80s and 90s. Like, you know, and one thing I hadn't realized until even sort of recently was the fact that she came out of like the proper punk rock scene, the proper club scene, the proper rock and roll scene. And she just kind of had enough talent that she ended up sort of rising above and and doing more. But I'm fascinated about her story from like essentially like New York city, like punk rock club kid to fucking Madonna in like two years. Um, And I also fairly recently saw some bullshit Netflix thing that they tried to play off as like a Madonna documentary. And it ended up being uh, made by an ex-boyfriend who the basis for most of the film was uh, playing old, really vulnerable, sensitive voicemail messages that Madonna had left him back in the day. I found it all cheap and gross. And uh, it made me not want to watch it. And it made me feel bad for Madonna. I'm sure she's seen it too. And, you know, it gets to a certain point that you want to control your own narrative and write your own story and make sure it's protected. So I can't wait to to see anything she gives me. I'll be chomping at the bit for it. Now, I, I applaud this move as
0: well. Uh, she was on The Tonight Show recently and said that there over the years there have been so many... Madonna biopic scripts, but they've all been written by men and th- that kind of made it a highly sexualized thing. Uh, yeah. And she wanted to write her own thing, take back the narrative and kind of, you know, we don't know how factual it's going to be because it's Madonna. She has a flair for the dramatic and the story, but we don't really want the real day to day, like her being in a rundown apartment, being a-, a struggling artist. We
1: want the Madonnaized version of her life. And I think that's going to be very exciting. All the way May. But that is what makes it exciting. That's the arc, you know. If if that arc wasn't in her story, someone would write it into it just to make it more interesting. The story's there; it just has to be told. Benny, we are kicking off the seventy-fifth
0: season of the NBA. That's right. Bow Wow. Oh boy, boy. I got I I got a quick sidebar for you about Bow Wow. If you want, apparently he was doing a concert in Atlanta this week. And you know, you know, had some hecklers. I believe this performance was at a strip club, uh, and had some hecklers in, in in the crowd. Walked off, and then pu- was publicly like, "That was
1: my last performance ever." So bow wow out, out. So <laughs> Lil Bow, well, not Lil anymore. Yeah. Bow Wow performed last weekend at a strip club and was heckled so badly he left stage and will not perform again. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a low point. Yeah,
0: and yeah. here, here I thought the low point of Bow Wow's life was at the uh, what year was that? 2005 ABCD camp getting absolutely posterized by Kevin Love.
1: But hey, listen, <laughs> the way down is not a nice, a nice trail. Try to love yourself, That's Bow right. Wow. It's not about the adoration of others. Bow know? Wow, we love you. We love we you. We love you, That's Bow right. Wow. The compassion episode.
0: All right. All right. Well, back on the NBA front. To kick off the NBA's 75th season, the NBA is unveiling their 75 greatest players. Uh, full disclosure, the rest of this list is going to be announced Thursday evening after we've recorded this. So far, as of recording, 41 players on the top 50 list from 1996 have already made the cut. Um, despite that fact, Uh, The top 50 honorees weren't guaranteed selection onto the top 75 list, which there was a lot of speculation um, among your old-time journalists about what was going to happen there. Um, So this kind of sets the scene for 25 names to be added to the list. Uh, So let's assume that everybody from the top 50 list is back. Uh, That brings us to a total of 59 guys because they've added some new guys. Not yet mentioned by the time uh, you hear this, they'll probably be on it, and these guys are 100% locks. Uh, Kobe, LeBron, Steph, Carmelo, Dominique Wilkins, Dwayne Wade, Russell Westbrook, Jason Kidd, and Kawhi Leonard. So that already brings us up to 68. So only seven open spots, Benny, um, that are realistically for guys shooting at it. Of the people not mentioned yet also, um, I would have to go with Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, Tony Parker, Vince Carter, Chris Bosh, Paul Gasol, and Bob McAdoo. I know the McAdoo one is a is a bit of a uh out there choice, but you got, if a guy was an MVP, he's kind of got to be on this list. This would leave off the list Benny, Luca, Paul Pierce, Gary Payton, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and T-Mac. So, set the stage. What do you think of uh some guys I've really been a big part of this league not getting their shine on the top 75?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. So so immediately I beg the question to you. Yeah. Who's getting kicked off? Nobody. So so, here, <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing. That's like when I looked at the list first off, you know, I I did. I went through a couple exercises in my head. I'm trying not to do recency bias, which obviously is so difficult. And we're already seeing it, you know, with players from the 80s and 90s that I loved. You know, where I would think they were total locks to make a list like this, not making a list like this. But I'm not sure about, you know, someone like Robert Parrish in there that's already on. And uh, I think somebody like uh, Ray Allen is almost like a a certain lock. Maybe there's something towards the three point shooter here with with Ray and Reggie both being on the side. Is it uh, a condition of the fact that, you know, the the. Do we love point guards? Do we love uh, versatile shooting forwards? Do we love big men, but we kind of lose some of those other positions? Like, uh, I don't know if that is part of it, but here's an exercise I played and you'll appreciate this. So I went on this list and there's always people on this list where I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that is. So how am I even supposed to say if Paul Pierce deserves it over this person, if Gary Payton deserves it over this person? So I took a random name. Yeah. Paul Arison. Do you know this person? I believe he, Paul, Paul Arison had,
0: not only was he a player, but I believe he had a GM tenure as well. Paul Arison. Hold on.
1: So, so here, no, this is what I'm telling you. I looked it up. Yeah. Because I'm like, all right, Paul Arison. I don't know who this guy is. Oh, you mean
0: pitching Paul. How could I forget
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, let me <laughs> let me see who this person is and let me see what their career was like. And right off the bat, you look up Paul Arizon, you see he played 10 seasons mm-hmm. and was a 10-time All-Star, a two-time scoring champ, Rookie of the Year, uh, won the championship in 1956, four-time All-NBA, um, and not to mention uh, left the league after his... Second season for two years in the in the Marines. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know this guy leads the league in scoring. A couple years he he wins a championship. He's an all star every season he's in the league. Four time All NBA. You know career averages of like twenty three and nine. And am I supposed to make the argument against this guy? I never saw him play, and this you know, uh, litany of information. I just said, sure. Seems like he should make the top 75. So here's where, uh, so much of it with these lists is just based on, uh, opinion and so much, uh, you know, subjectivity that, that it's so hard to even, uh, gauge what's happening. So what do you think? Who's the biggest, snub if that's the case and well if if you can say the biggest snub so far who's the person you would want to see taken off
0: well okay i don't think they're taking anybody off i don't think that that's going to happen if they haven't taken off people by now i think that they're just going to add the people that may have not gotten the fair shake on the top 50 but, man, if I can just defend Pitch and Paul a little bit here, my guy. <laughs> guy averaged 22 points a game, okay, pre-1960. That's, like, 11, 12 layups a game, my guy. Come on. And he played for the Camden Bullets. What a team.
1: Listen, I yeah, I like him. He looks like a Philly guy. <laughs> he, went, he went to LaSalle, went played to- for the Philadelphia Warriors. <laughs> yeah, no, he seems cool. That's, that's what I'm talking about but like you know but if you put pitch and paul in the league right now you know he he's not even making a kentucky he's you know he's he's not making these teams i don't know so it's just this bizarre this bizarre exercise we always play so that being said w- once we get to the meat of this here do you have a potential uh, top 5
0: Oh, well, the great thing about this is, and they didn't do this in 96, and they're not doing it now, this isn't ranked no 1 through 75. This is just yeah. 75 players that tell the story of the league. So I love that. Yeah, man, you got to have every era represented here. I mean, by your logic, George Mikan, probably not walking through that door. But, you know, it's it, it tells the story of the game of basketball, especially the NBA, and stuff like that. I think where the conversation comes down to it's gonna be the newer guys. I mean, you gotta have, you know, Dominique not on the top fifty list. Glad to see him get in. McAdoo as well wasn't on the top fifty list. So you gotta pay respect to the elders. But I think the biggest snub on this list, and only because there's not enough sample size on the
1: guy, I think it's gonna be Luca, maybe maybe and dominique is a good example of why i think these lists are flawed mm. you know he was a great player of his generation i watched him he was he was in my first generation of basketball and like i don't know that he was just never to me you're looking at another like really good high-fying glorified scorer who's on the list who if like you know if dominique wilkins is on the list why can't Tracy McGrady be on the list? Why can't Paul Pierce be on the list? Like their careers are so comparable that uh, I I don't really see a difference at that point. You know what I mean? So what do we do? What are we doing here with this top 75? I mean, I'm interested now. Now I'm interested in the, just give me the top 10. All this (laughs) other is just conjecture. And I got to say your boy Giannis is climbing up this list. If they were ranking it, he might be getting into like what Where is he at top 20 top it, 25 now
0: he may be in the, the top the, the things that he's done i mean like like the youngest to have an mvp finals mvp championship it's impressive i mean l- listen i don't know where Giannis ranks and all of that in terms of as of right now be the best international career not talk talking about potential uh i know olajuwon is it's probably 1a and 1b Um, with Giannis kind of getting the edge because there's more time. Uh, Hakeem's story is is told. But I got to be honest with you, man, and I don't know if this is a sign of growth for me. I'm not interested in ranking these guys, 1 through 75. I'm just not. I don't know. It's like, okay, you can talk about your top five when when really that's a two-horse conversation. Is it Michael or is it LeBron? I get you got to give Kareem, I mean, Kareem probably is the best had has had the best basketball career if you're talking about high school through his pro career. Um, but when but when you come down to the best basketball player we've ever seen, I mean, I think you personally kind of got to give the edge to LeBron. Um, but here, here we go again. I'm not interested
1: in falling into this pitfall. Ah, I'm not interested not in it. it. You cannot do it. What's <laughs> the point of talking about all this if we can't rank them? Come on. I got Kerry Kittles, top 10, oh. and I'll, I'll bleed for it.
0: <laughs> you want to put Kerry Kittle. Last week, you want to put Bo Outlaw in there. This week, you want to put Carrie Kittles. Man, I love Bo Out. what I'll about Pitch not, and Pull? <laughs>
1: I'll never not love Bo Outlaw. I know it's not in your rundown, but, I mean, what, what are, we, are we talking about Kyrie next? Because this would be a good segue.
0: Oh, you want to talk about Kyrie yet? Yeah, yeah. yeah let's get into yeah, let's that. Let's do it. All right all right so kyrie irving oh boy this saga just keeps unfolding uh right, right in front of our face so it w- happened uh nothing happened but i mean <laughs> the nets played the nets played so the mm-hmm. kyrie irving saga wages on and the nets have begun their 2021 campaign without their star guard uh and what they're missing essentially from kyrie uh they're missing a little bit of that consistency they're missing a uh, career best efficiency they're missing about 27.6 assists and the way that he picks apart teams off the switch that's what they're missing you know i'm not sure that the the problems that they're facing defensively would be corrected with Kyrie coming back but benny we watched the opening game of the season we saw the nets the bucks we saw ring night uh we saw kevin durant Based off of the early returns, do you think the defense and being healthy will once again be a problem for your Brooklyn Nets?
1: Okay, so we got to backtrack. Okay, where do you want to backtrack to? To what's really going on. And, and I think. So, so we go into this offseason, right? And we have this, imag- you know, our imaginations run wild. And we start to see the pieces of the Nets on paper. And you're like, how can this team lose, right? You're looking at the players. Everybody fell into it. And you know who was watching it as much as we were? The Milwaukee Bucks who are like sitting there the whole offseason saying we won the championship. And we have maybe the greatest, if not one, a the second greatest or third greatest player on the planet right now wherever you want to put him with Laron and KD, you got like Middleton and drew who are now, you know, Middleton was never afraid of the moment. Now he's got a ring. He's got, you know, Olympics and all stars. He's, you know, uh, same with drew. These guys are feeling more accomplished and confident. They got these random pieces. So quickly I'm like, Oh, right. Like the bucks are the favorite. They're the champions. Like they actually won. And the Lakers and the nets both are, are, teams that were uh, making assumptions based on how they look on paper. And if anything became abundantly clear in that first game is that the Nets are not like necessarily that much worse than the Bucks if they don't have Kyrie Irving, but the playing field is extremely level if they don't have Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving is like the piece that puts them from like, You know oh we're as good as all these other teams to okay we're this you know mega monolith that nobody can fuck with and you know you know it's only one game so i don't want to write it in for the current roster as it stands but you know the idea that Harden and kd are going to play you know 80 games play them together the fact that this you know patchwork front court you already saw you know how Griffin and Aldridge and Claxton can maybe be a little thin and they're going to have to find some answers there. Like, uh, I think immediately you're seeing how important Kyrie Irving is to the chances of the Nets winning a championship and the fact that if they want to do it, uh, they're probably going to need him at some point this season.
0: The Blake Griffin heavy minutes, I was, uh, I was watching this and i was like blake griffin is not the blake griffin of two three years ago Uh, you kind of got to take what you can can get but i think you know let's not let's not adjust the expectations for the nets just yet let's not make it it's the first game of the season but also i think a big loss for for this team they lost a couple things this this offseason Number one, Mike D'Antoni not being there, I think gonna be a little bit interesting for Steve Nash and mm. uh, Emek getting the job up up in Boston. Two significant members of your bench that have head coaching ex- or a, have severe coaching experience. Now you've got a bunch of former players up here trying to put, uh, relying on their coordinators to put together the, the, the scouting report. So I think uh, on the bench on that front, that's gonna be interesting. Um, but then when it just comes to Kyrie Irving here, see, not sure exactly when he's going to be back still, but you got Patty Mills here, man. I understand he's not Kyrie Irving. I feel like there's a potential not to get swayed up in uh, the Olympic glow, in the opening night glow, but I think Patty Mills may have a career year t- to remember in
1: this system. Sure. like I think Patty Mills is, is great and is going to be great. Um, and if he wasn't there, we'd be really thin at point guard and they know everything they're doing, but he's also, he's, he's never and cannot be, uh, a full time 35 plus minute a night point right. guard, not exactly a distributor, you know, great shooter, but you know, undersized for the two, like Patty Mills is amazing. Mm. You cannot expect him to come in and do the things that Kyrie Irving does. Oh, no. Those Javon Carter minutes I thought would be a little more useful, and I think they will eventually. He's a nice player. But, um, yeah, it's just such a different role. And uh, I like the idea of Patty Mills, you know, cruising around in those Bruce Brown minutes and just finding, you know, six, seven open three pointers a game based on the fact that like the defense is all over the court. Uh, so I do think he's going to be great. And again, I think the fact that he's there and some other of those complimentary pieces are there. The reason I still think the nets are, uh, uh, you know, very much a finals contender, even without one of the greatest players playing on their team, you know? Yeah. And the
0: other thing that I thought was interesting on opening night that, uh, Paul Paul Millsap only five minutes. I feel like you're gonna need a little bit more there, and Joe Harris. I mean, we listen. Part of the net's success last January through through March was the fact that Joe Harris was playing at at an All Star level, and he hasn't been able to, to to find the touch. So I think there's a couple things yeah. going
1: wrong there. But uh, Joe uh, Joe looked a lot like the player we saw in the playoffs, which was a little disconcerting. You know maximum effort but just like a step behind and and not really useful to what's going on i'm I'm a little concerned about joe harris currently i, I truly think joe harris has only kind of kept neutralized
0: against really good defenses um I, most of the league is not going to be there so i still think that he's very much going to get his his minutes this season yeah yeah and you know
1: and also we should note this is one game oh yeah uh, a lot can look different after uh, after about a week. What what have they got?
0: Philly next, they'll be fine. Everyone thinks. <laughs> Grayson Allen's the next coming of
1: Steph Curry no, after come uh, on. After come few. on. No. I did
0: not say that. Do not go putting words. I did not like that signing. I you come on, we talked all off season. I was like, what are the Bucks doing? PJ's gone. Now, I dislike P.J. Tucker. Have fun with your six points a game in Miami, you bum. No, just kidding. I love yeah. that. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 move on down the turnpike again. Boy, this seems to be a little shuffle that we're doing every week. Brooklyn down on, on to Philly. Um, maybe stop and get ourselves a cheesesteak along the way. But let's talk about the Ben Simmons situation. So, we thought it couldn't get any worse than last week, and then Ben Simmons shows up in Philly unannounced, and we're like, oh. And then... This past week, he gets thrown out of practice by Doc Rivers. Um, People thought he had his cell phone in his pocket. It turned out to be a medical tracking device. Apparently, Ben Simmons shows up Sixers practice, not putting in the effort uh, required by a professional basketball player. Embiid's done with him. I'm sure Doc secretly is done with him. Um, Not a great situation. Um, Doesn't seem to be too many teams that can pull up to line up something. So, Benny, I got I to gotta ask you here. You know, with this hanging over the Sixers, what can we really expect from them in the early going until this gets sorted out?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I think what we can expect right now is kind of what we're going to get a lot of the season. Um, You know, this is just getting weirder and weirder uh, and getting worse and worse. And the options are getting more and more limited because... You know, last week we sat here and went, oh, okay, Ben's back. He wants his money. He's back (laughs) with the team. And it looked like maybe they, you know, reached some kind of an agreement to let him play for a little bit and, you know, maybe reboost up his value and trade him. You know, last week when he, when he kind of came back to the team, that was my assumption of what was happening. Uh, I assumed wrong. (laughs) Um, Apparently, like, you know, he was only showing up to to try to get paid. Uh, You know, I heard someone else bring up the um, the idea that maybe eventually the agents will say this is a mental health issue. And if that's the case, he has to be benched while being paid. Um, So I don't know if this is, you know, uh, a legitimate mental health issue or a setup to try to get that, but Uh, he has succeeded in making it completely untenable. Yeah. Uh, and where, you know, a week or two ago, Danny green and Embiid and rivers were all kind of leaving this sliver open for Ben Simmons to come back. If he'd like that windows closed, he's done with the Sixers he's done with this staff and these players Uh, clearly done with the fans. And now his trade value is even worse than it was, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. It's not to say these things don't change. I mean, uh, what were the discussions around Jimmy Butler in Minnesota when he was pulling this shit when he made like Carl Towns like cry in practice and you know, everyone's like that guy is the biggest piece of shit. We hate that guy. And like six months later, he's like the most noble basketball player there is on Miami, you know, mm-hmm. like, look at this, look at that grit, look at this hard worker. So the idea that like Ben Simmons is done is I don't think so. Mm-hmm. He's so good that like, I feel like he is going to find an Avenue back to being a great player and, uh, and also winning over another fan base at some point, but it just seems more and more clear that that fan base is not Philly. Uh, and I think we're not going to see a lot of Ben Simmons for the first couple months of the season. See, the idea behind going back
0: and doing this whole thing was to make it, um, you know, kind of have his, have his own Jimmy Butler moment, where he takes the scouting team and like goes and tries to beat the starters. Right. The problem is Ben Simmons can't shoot, so he shows up to practice to do the damn thing, and he doesn't have the offensive ability to kind of wreak havoc and and stuff like that. And so what's Ben Simmons' version of this? Oh, I'm just gonna dog it in a defensive drill. It is a completely different thing when you are in a practice and, and you're competing against your team and you're just dominating rather than acting like you don't care. All of this happens, and let's not let Rich Paul just scoot out of here this kind of seems like a mastermind thing. It's like, oh, it worked in New Orleans. It's kind of worked with LeBron. Meanwhile, he's out, he- he's out here sitting with Adele at the Laker game. It's like, man, you should be in Philly nursing up your boy. I just saw that Ben Simmons put his house in New Jersey, his mansion on the market. So it's like all signs point to Ben Simmons uh, trying to get out, but showing up and dogging it, that's not going to inspire anybody.
1: And it- It's also it's it's honestly even a stranger situation. than the ones you're talking about, it's stranger than Anthony Davis. It's stranger than Harden. It's stranger than. But and you know why it's stranger than all of them It's because he just signed a max contract like like all those other situations where the conversation was spurned by the idea that there was a contract situation coming up and that oh, we better, we better leave, we better you know, do our next contract somewhere else. This might be the unique case of the first time we saw a player signed, inked. He legitimately has nowhere to go if they don't want to trade him. Um, and you might have run into the first organization and group of people who have enough like, yeah, fuck it, fuck him. Yeah. You know, Daryl Morey, that's kind of his style. Doc Rivers definitely doesn't give a shit. So I think uh, we're kind of in uncharted territory as far as that goes. And I don't think we can use the Anthony Davis and like James Harden uh, models to understand this. You know, the only silver lining, I think, for Philadelphia. And
0: I don't think that this is exactly a deal deal that Daryl wants to do marvin bag bagley that situation in sacramento equally as fucked up uh, yeah
1: but you're bringing like that's like the other example i could think of a player in the league who just can't take the pressure and i'm like afraid to, to see put marvin marvin, marvin bagley gets <laughs> traded to a better team and they're like oh we got this you know this this talent there's even more pressure on him, and I don't, I don't know if we're going to see him succeed. So <laughs> it's another guy who's going to uh, not take the dunk with time remaining and pass to Matisse Thybul instead. You know, sometimes Philly fans, you just got to look inward and be like, "What's wrong with me?" No, just kidding. It's these guys. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you got a good squad. Joel Embiid's one of the best players in the league. He's motivated. There's no question of whose team it was anymore. I mean, that was an actual question up until a couple of years ago. Tobias Harris is, you know, paid like an all-NBA player, but he's, you know, an all-star level player. Uh, I don't know if Maxi's really ready to come, you know, fill in the shoes for 30-plus for minutes a night, but he's good. Shake Milton's good. Corkmaz is good. And they, you know, they have enough stuff where they might they might be able to stay afloat long enough where they're not desperate for Ben Simmons and they actually hold the leverage.
0: We shall see as this, uh, and I'm sure by the time we talk next week, the situation will have another turn and maybe we'll actually be talking about a basketball fit for Ben Simmons yeah, rather be than a cell phone in his pocket. All right. Also on opening can week, can we
1: make a bet? We, can we make a deal? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of bet do you want to make I'm next week?
0: No Let's ben promise Simmons.
1: we skip the Kyrie Irving Ben Simmons <laughs> this be one week off. I don't care what happens.
0: Oh, next week's going to be the week that everything happens. I'm going to be like, it's we fair. can't skip it. We,
1: we can't. We got to talk about it.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, shall we scoot out west a little bit, Benny? Mm. All right. On opening night, the Lakers dropped the first game of their big four, big five era. However many people they have in their big, big rotation. Seven. <laughs> big seven. <laughs> that's right. But Russell Westbrook looked incredibly uncomfortable. He missed nine, count them, nine of his 13 shots. All four of his three-pointers finished with just eight points. Last season, Westbrook scored fewer than 10 points, only once. Russ is a good player. I'm sure he'll figure it out. But but do the Lakers have cause for concern after opening night?
1: Yeah, again, it's only one game, and... You know, we have the great mastermind and maestro of LeBron James on that team. So I don't want to say that uh, what we see is what we're going to get. I mean, this is like, again, I mean, it's LeBron's deal every year. He's always dealing with like six to eight to ten new players every season <laughs> to try and get acclimated to the team. And you happen to bring one in this time who might be the most difficult person to acclimate to a team uh Ever. You know, I don't know. So, I mean, the hard thing about it, it, you know, and it's one of the things these guys had to know going into it is uh, everyone's skepticism about this team, the people who had skepticism played out exactly the way the skeptics said it would. So there's a lot of people after the first couple of days are like, "Yep, yeah, told you so. You know, Russ is a minus twenty-three, looked lost out there. He, he's ball dominant, they don't know what to do, blah blah blah. And it's kind of playing right into it. Um, I mean, I, you know, if if we had decided to do NBA picks, which we didn't, I would have told you I am not picking the Lakers this season. And uh I think they have too many problems and too much age, and it it just screams uh The Gary Payton, Carl Malone era Lakers to me of just adding formerly great names that are still marginally good players and, you know, imagining it'll come together. But they are literally like one LeBron James or Anthony Davis, like turned ankle from being fucking pretty awful. Uh, And and it's concerning, I think. You know, I don't want to go too far after one game, but it's pretty concerning just as a
0: complete sidebar. I was watching that game against the Warriors, and mm. I don't know if it is the, uh, LeBron's new endorsement deal with Tonal, but that guy's looking slim. That guy's... that guy, LeBron that legitimately looks like Cantavious Caldwell Pope out there with that headband on. I'm like, this is so crazy. So I think he knows that when you're bigger and you're trying to make these sudden moves, you're more prone to some sort of uh, hamstring or ACL injury. So he's slimmed down. He's he's still as masterful with his ability. Um, so I, I think I don't foresee LeBron having a huge injury this year just because I think he may be in the best shape he's ever been in.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, he looks great. But, you know, is that going to, you know, this is where we got to give it like a month to see what the maestro is planning. Yeah. Comes in skinny. He's got all these pieces. LeBron's got a plan. He's got some kind of plan. And if there's anything we should give LeBron at this point, it's the benefit of the doubt. Because, you know, he kind of knows what he's doing sometimes. And I'm looking forward to these
0: January games where it is, Russ, Malik Monk, and Dwight Howard just out here leading the charge. I can't wait for this. Honestly, I'd stay up and watch these games to one o'clock in the morning out here, like, because I think at some point the, uh, Frank Vogel's going to shut this down for a little while if things are, are looking dicey, and that that may be the time when they when the rest of everything gels. So, wow, uh, it's.
1: I mean, let's see when Talon, horton Tucker comes back. Mm. You know. Maybe he's the missing piece or Kendrick. None. I don't know. All right. Time to wrap up the show. We have our week. Uh,
0: What week is this? This is week seven NFL and... picks. All right. So last week, Benny, you went seven and six. We're back to above going above 500 each and every week. I went eight and five. I've completely erased the four and 11 week bringing our season total to 36 and 37. Each, we're tied up, baby. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, We got a bunch of great ones going on this week, so let's waste zero time and let's get right into it. All right. First one up, Panthers at the New York Football Giants. Carolina minus three. Benny, what do you like here?
1: Oh, don't do this to me. First pick. (laughs) Out the gate. I keep betting. I keep betting the giants and it keeps hurting and hurting every week, but I'm going to do it again. Do it again. <laughs> Cause the Panthers are weird. Um, there's elements of the giants defense that have been interesting and, and, uh, you know, kind of ruffling some feathers. So I like the giants again, again to kill me over these, uh, Kind of funky Carolina Panthers. Carolina
0: Panthers are funky last week. They gave up 571 yards. Not gonna happen against the Giants. I'm going with Carolina in a bounce back game. All right. Keeping it in the tri-state area. Jets going on up to Boston. New England Patriots. Jets Pats. Pats minus seven. Benny, what do you like here?
1: Yeah, Jets. The Jets don't do so well up there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's not a long trip. Maybe they sleep in a little too much, but uh, no, I hate this <laughs> matchup for them up in Foxborough. I think they're going to get smacked. A smacked Patriots. right
0: there. Lo- Patriots. I'm going with new England. I'm not going to give you the reason. Cause I can't read my handwriting. I'm just going I New England that. because I feel it in my chest. Um, <laughs> all right. Chiefs at Titans, Titans, uh, excuse me. Chiefs minus five and a half, 1 PM game. Benny,
1: what do you got here? I, I think it's, I think it's going to be a pretty good game. Um, But I like the Chiefs to win by, like, just a touchdown. So I think the Chiefs cover.
0: Two words. Derrick Henry, absolutely balling out of control. Not a fan of the Chiefs' run defense. I think they gave up 120 yards last week, and that's not against the best running back in football. So give me Tennessee here. Besides, that 5.5 number always scares me.
1: Man, that Derrick Henry is fun. (laughs) I watch him run. It it looks like just like a throwback to, like, (laughs) The 80s and nine. I love watching this guy burst through the line, and then you're like, "Whoa, what's that <laughs> secondary jump there? Like a guy that big is not supposed to have that." He's he's fucking fun, man. That's that's a fun football player to watch. Must see TV for sure.
0: Oh, our next one is must see TV as well. The Washington football team at the Green Bay Packers. Packers minus seven and a half. Benny, what do you like here?
1: Yeah, I think Packers dismantle. Aaron Rodgers is on a an award tour. He's just having fun out there. He's loose. He's, uh, yeah, I'm not betting against him. I'm going Packers to cover. Washington football team, bottom five in
0: pass defense, and that bad, bad man, mm -mm, uh, that that spells trouble for the Washington football team. All right, Falcons at Dolphins. Crazy week for the Dolphins. A lot of speculation about where Tua's going to be. Dolphins still favorites, minus 2.5, another 1 p.m. game. Benny, what do you like here?
1: Uh, I, I like the Falcons to pull this off. Dolphins are the post, post uh, London game have a lot of injuries. Uh, I think I think Matt Ryan and them. I think they have just enough to get by the Dolphins this week. I like Falcons.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna try to protect myself this week. I feel like sometimes you 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 make a pick because you feel it in your chest. Other times you're like that. You know that that three. I don't know. Could be a one or two point game. Both of these teams are bad, so I'm going to uh, go with the area where I have the most coverage. Give me the Falcons. All right. Bengals, Joey Barrows taking up uh, the going to Baltimore, trying to get some of those crab cakes. Uh, Ravens, minus six and a half, another 1 p.m. game here. So, Bengals, Ravens, Benny, who do you got?
1: I, I, oh, tough one. Mm, tough tough very one tough just because. Because Joey Burrow is so much fun right now, and he's really, really cruising along, but I think he's going to run into the the Ravens train, the Lamar Jackson train, and uh, I think they're going to. Both teams are going to score a ton of points in this game. I could see it both being in the thirties, but I like I like Lamar Jackson to to pull it out even with the spread.
0: Yeah, give me Baltimore as well. The last three times Baltimore has played Cincinnati, they've won by twenty four or more points. Let's keep it going. Crab cakes on me. all right going to four o'clock games we have eagles raiders raiders minus three benny what do you like here
1: Uh, i think i like the raiders to pull this off it's gonna stay close um but you know they got one out of the way post gruden last week this team that we thought was you know really gelling and strong in the first few weeks of the season has a has a chance to bounce back you know a couple weeks after the incident. So I like the Raiders.
0: Yeah, the Raiders seem to be revitalized last week. Derek Carr looked like he was back. Um, yeah, man. Look, give me Vegas minus three here. All right. Lions, Rams. Oh, a, a a Jared Goff, Matt Stafford, matchup for the ages. Huge number here, though.
1: Rams minus 14 and a half. Benny, what do you like here? I mean, I like the Rams to win, and I like them to, to win well, but I think Detroit, because of the circumstances, extra fired up is going to keep it within 15 points. So I like the, Lions, the Rams to win, Lions to cover. Detroit has zero pass
0: defense, and for that reason, I'm having a huge Matthew Stafford FU game. This one could be a 40-point win. <laughs> As my voice cracks because I said that with zero conviction. Anyway, moving. <laughs> I sounded British almost. All right, Texans at Cardinals. Another huge number here. Cardinals minus 17 and a half. Benny, are you scared of it?
1: I, I I'm I'm not <laughs> betting for the damn Texans to cover the spread again. <laughs> I don't I don't care who's playing. Uh yeah, it's it's awful and Arizona's great. I don't see them uh losing or even showing too many hiccups arizona is going to cover this huge spread uh, let me let me channel my inner uh
0: patrick swayze and ghost and hit you with a huge ditto uh give me cardinals minus 17 and a half wow
1: strong <laughs> reference good for you let's, uh, let's mold some clay shall we sweetheart and then i'm gonna eat your fucking meat afterwards <laughs>
0: uh well speaking of meat chicago no uh bears at
1: buccaneers buccaneers minus 12 benny what do you got i don't know you ever seen those fucking hot dogs they eat <laughs> Jesus, it's italian crazy. beef oh <laughs> now i think bucks are gonna smoke them uh i don't think bears stand a chance in this one so yeah i like bucks to cover that big spread I'm
0: gonna give uh, Chicago the benefit of the doubt here. Pre Aaron Rodgers, uh, they were allowing only uh, they were allowing under ten points a game. I think we kind of get back to the norm. Uh, so give me Chicago here. Why not? Chicago Colts Niners Sunday Night Football. You know Kerry Underwood's gonna be there. Colts <laughs> Niners Niners minus four and a half. Benny, what do you like here?
1: Like the Niners here I you know of course I'm anti Carson Wentz just by default but um you know I know he's been playing well but 49ers can limit him a little bit Garoppolo's back this week I like I like the Niners
0: fresh off of a buy I do not think that uh uh, lightning strikes twice for the Colts um the Niners are rested I'm gonna be interested to see what they can do give me the Niners minus four and a half here all right, Monday Night Football, wrapping things up here. Jameis and the Saints, minus four and a half at
1: Seattle. Benny, what do you like? I I like not Geno Smith. <laughs> so I'm betting essentially this entire – this pick is uh, based enti- entirely the fact that the Saints are playing against Geno Smith, and I like the Saints.
0: Uh, yeah, the Seahawks have been a mixed bag, not a lot of defense. Give me New Orleans as well. Jameis back – Let's do
1: it. Sorry, Mina Kimes.
0: <laughs> all right. That is the picks for today. Um, plenty of good stuff at the TuneUp HQ on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can email us at the TuneUp podcast at gmail.com to Ps in there. Like I said, all the social platforms tune up, HQ on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, we're everywhere. If you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz 1, number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I am at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else?
1: Yeah. Chinese media removes Boston Celtics games after Enos Kanter's free to bet statements. So now Boston games and Philly games are not played in China, meaning China hates the Atlantic division. The show is ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to the tune up. <laughs>